treating people right When the amplifiers are cooled down The guitar's put away I put that pick in the hammer lane And this is what I'll say Well that Welcome to That One Show with Brian Combs. Today we are completing a wrestling trilogy. My good friend Lance has been on two episodes about wrestling, theme songs, and then all-time greatest feuds. And today we're going to talk about the worst and silliest and just absolute what-were-they-thinking gimmicks in wrestling history. We're going to take turns ranking them 10 through 1. Normally I flip a coin to see who gets to number one, but we're recording this a little bit before Thanksgiving, and in the spirit of Thanksgiving, I'm going to let Lance have the number one pick, which that means he's going to rank nine, seven, five, three, and one, and I'll do ten, eight, six, and two. And uh, we're we glad to have you join us again today to listen to me and him yap on about how silly wrestling is, but that's what makes us love it, right, Lance? Yeah, absolutely. You've got to take... Uh uh, as they say, the good with the bad. And as I always said, uh, you know, in, in a couple of those two previous shows with some of these guys, even the great ones, sometimes you've got to suspend a little bit of belief and uh, you've got to do a little bit too much with uh, with these guys. So uh, we'll uh, uh, go with it and, and see where it goes. But it should be a great show, like you said, uh Doing the research on it, a lot of stuff came flooding back that I completely forgot about. Yeah, man, and uh, you and I were talking off mic. I thought this was going to be a pretty easy one to come up with 10, and then I got to thinking back, and, you know, one gimmick that I remember led to another, and I ended up having about 20 I had to decide from. Uh, a lot of them I don't even remember because they were so bad, they brought them out on TV maybe one time and never even mentioned them again. And the thing that I found is, is a lot of these gimmicks, the person that was doing it ended up becoming, you know, big or getting over, as they say in wrestling terms, as a different gimmick or character later on. Uh, poor Kevin Nash, he had three or four that you could have picked from. <laughs> but we'll, we, we may very well get to that. Uh, so, without further ado, uh, I'm going to start us off at number 10, and that is the Gobbledy Gooker. Now, this right here is probably one of the, and, I, and this happened when I was about 10 year old, 1990 Survivor Series. I don't, I'm sure you probably remember it fondly. I actually went back and watched the entire thing last night on Peacock. I did, uh, Dixie and Natalie said, why are you watching wrestling from 35 years ago? I said, because yeah. it's entertaining. It but they had hyped up this big giant egg for like three or four weeks leading up to Survivor Series, which always took place at that time on Thanksgiving night. And... Ted DiBiase, for y'all that don't remember how Survivor Series used to be, used to be teams of four, four on four, and they single wrestled. And when one got eliminated, his team had to, you know, keep fighting on like three on four, and sometimes it'd come on four on one. Well, Ted DiBiase's million-dollar team, he was hyping up a mystery partner. And I always just thought that the mystery partner was going to come out of that egg. Well, the mystery partner ended up being one of the best gimmicks in wrestling history, if not the best, which was Undertaker. So on the same show, you had one of the best ever gimmicks and one of the worst, which was the gobbledygooker, which was a fella literally dressed up like a daggone turkey. And they were so cheap, I noticed watching it back last night, Lance, 
for his gloves, he literally had them old yellow latex cleaning gloves that you wash dishes with that they probably went and bought at the Kmart for $1.99 on. <laughs> and the funny thing is, is he run around, and, and I, even at 10-year-old, I realized how ignorant and stupid that this was. And I, I cackled watching it back last night, and then I kind of researched to see if that was about the only time they ever showed him. They really didn't even mention him again until 11 years later at WrestleMania in 2001. They had a battle royal of some of the worst gimmicks of all time, and I'll be damned if the gobbledygooker didn't come back one more time. But do you remember the gobbledygooker? Yeah, I, I absolutely do. As a matter of fact, he was my number one. And uh, oh, I'm sorry. No, no, that's fine. Uh, and, and the reason he was number one was just for about everything you were mentioning there because uh, uh, it, it was just the pure stupidity of it all, you know. And, of course, I, like you, I, I was a young wrestling fan back then. I didn't think much of it. But, you know, going back, looking at it, you know, a lot of people thought, as you said, that, uh, coming out of that egg was going to be somebody. The Undertaker, a lot of people at that time, I didn't know it, but Ric Flair, I think, was a free agent. A lot of people thought it was going to be him. And, and, you know, something else I thought was kind of cool about that, too, is that uh, uh, Eddie Guerrero's brother, I believe it was, played the gobbledygooker, uh, uh, Hector Guerrero. And like you said, uh, it was just, you know, this big-time build-up and suspense which they done that all right, but then the payoff was just him dancing a little bit with Mean Gene, and then like you said, he he disappeared into uh, uh, the blue yonder, I guess. And then like you said, he's made a couple uh, odd appearances here and there, but uh, yeah, it was just uh, one of those things, you know, that you the hype was so good that you were expecting something uh, brilliant, and it was just so bad that, you know, there were so many more, I guess I could have ranked number one, but that one's just embedded in my mind about how bad it was, truly was. Like you said, just a cheap guy in a turkey costume. <laughs> so, I, I, you know, I, I just put it number one because I, I know there were more probably deserving, and, and we'll get into them as we go, but the gooker was just horrible. Absolutely. Let's take a real quick break lance and we'll come back with your first pick in the number nine one all right lance what's your first pick here in the number nine worst wrestling gimmick of all time brother well in at number nine for me comes from the wcw days of them trying to uh, what i would consider cashing in on the popularity of the video game mortal Kombat. <laughs> G- glacier comes in at number nine for me and uh he he was just to me this was just uh, complete stupidity uh, because here they were trying to convince me that these video game characters were actually really people coming out to wrestle. You had Glacier, and I think during his entire run, he feuded with uh, a guy named Mortis and another guy named Routh. Uh The three of them, I just call them the Mortal Kombat trio. Uh, but uh, Glazier is the one that sticks out to me because he had this big elaborate ring entrance with the lights down, the blue, looked like ice was falling. You know, a guy that maybe could have gotten over, but once it got to the ring, it was just horrible, you know, costumes and gimmicks. And and for me, I you know, it was hard for me to get over the fact that they were trying to, to make me believe, you know, that this was a 
these were like video game characters taking up time. They could have went, in my opinion, to about anything else would have been better. But uh, that's who comes in at number nine for me is Glacier back in WCW. And like I said, uh, uh, you know, I don't know if he found success later on or not. I didn't research it. I think Mortis was played by uh, Chris Canyon, who people might remember a little bit. Uh, uh, he had a little bit of single success. And Ralph, I think, was uh, – I can't remember exactly now who it was, but I know he played several different uh, different gimmicks and characters. But uh, he comes in at number nine on my list. I'm glad you picked him. He was one that just barely – I had to, you know, cut when I was narrowing down my top ten. But he was definitely on my list as I was working through these crazy gimmicks. And WCW in the 90s there and in the late 80s, they had a, a pretty bad habit of taking stuff from other forms of media and popular culture. Like they took this guy from a video game, uh, the music, movies. We may get to some of them gimmicks later on on our list. But... Uh, yeah, this fella was horrible, and the gimmick was horrible. Like you mentioned, his in-ring wrestling skills was was pretty bad too. So, yeah. I mean, at the time, Mortal Kombat was one of the most popular video games, you know, out there. Everybody played it, and and most everybody that played it also watched wrestling. And for him, them not to be able to get over that character shows you just how bad that was as an in-ring performer. Yeah. His mic skills, from the best I can remember, it wasn't very good either, Lance. No, like you said, you pointed it out perfectly. It didn't help matters that they threw guys in these roles that that really weren't established at all. Like you said, Glacier's in-ring was horrible. Did a few, like, martial art moves, a few kicks and and, and punches, and that was about uh, all he could do. And And I can't even remember him doing a promo, really. So that just tells you just how bad he was when you can't remember one single thing, and the same way goes with the other two guys. Uh, they're in their little package, the Mortis and, and Ralph. I don't remember them doing anything promo-wise. Uh, Ralph was just a big old brute of a guy, didn't have no skills really. Uh, uh, Mortis Canyon, he probably was the best in-ring one, but at that time I think he was just trying to uh, find something to hang on to, and unfortunately that wasn't it. And and it was just bad all the way around, like you said. Yeah, it was pretty bad. And most of these, I'd venture to say that, that you and I are going to be talking about probably going to be from the same era, whether it be WWF, which is now WWE, or WCW, because that was a different time in wrestling, nobody. buddy. <laughs> it really was. And most everything we talk about, like the, on the previous two episodes, you can go back and find on Peacock. Yeah. Uh, they've got all the archives on there, so – just look up some of this silliness. If you want to see the gobbledygooker, just pick up the 1990 Survivor Series and you see that fool running around. The boogie, uh, the the old glacier. He, I used to watch any of those old WCW events from, yeah. from I guess what was it, about mid 90s. Yeah. Uh, you'll see that fool on there. <laughs> and uh, if you watch some Monday Night Rawls from the from the early early Monday Night Rawls, you'll see my pick at number eight, which is Isaac Yankum DDS. <laughs> did you have him on your list at all, Lance? Yeah, I did. He came in at number ten on mine. So I, we pretty we so we pretty close on this one. Yeah. And for those that didn't know, this was Glenn Jacobs, and he he ended up years later being Kane, which was over and and avert one you know world heavyweight champion and had a good 10, 15 year run in WWE as a top guy. 
Uh, but, but you know, this this guy was literally an evil dentist. And he come out wearing, you know, the headgear with the little light and whatever, you know, dentist, you know, the dentist he's wearing stuff. Yeah. But the the worst part of this angle to me was how he got brought into the WWE. Do you remember how he got brought in, Lance? Uh, well, when I was looking back on it, the best I remember is he just came in as Jerry Lawler's dentist. Yeah, right? but the funny part is why Jerry Lawler needed a dentist. He got them. He him and Bret Hart wrestled a kiss my foot match, in which the loser had to kiss the feet of the winner. And Jerry Lawler supposedly got some kind of real bad teeth infection from kissing Bret Hart's foot. And Isaac Yankin ended up being his dentist and coming over and help and you know kind of being his bodyguard and henchman for a while and then wrestling some singles competition. But this this was a very very stupid. Angle all the way around from the outfit. Uh, how he brought, got brought in, supposedly got some kind of, you know, disease from Bret Hart's feet in his mouth from having to kiss him. <laughs> and a lot of these we're going to be talking about tonight was, you know, the WWE, for whatever reason, during this era took people's, they just basically would give us somebody a gimmick of a, as, as an actual career. Whether it be a dentist, uh, you know, an IRS agent, uh, you uh, you had a race car driver, <laughs> a clown. <laughs> yeah. So I guess times was tough in the nineties, Lance. If these poor people weren't making enough today jobs, they had to wrestle on the weekends and on Monday night to try to make ends meet, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And and uh, he, he, like I said, he was number ten on my list. I couldn't leave him off because, like you said, just. Uh, I guess the pure ridiculousness of it all. And like you said, this was, to me, out of all the, the job gimmicks, like you said, they would just pass a career on to a guy. Uh, this one, it just stood out to me as the worst. And as you mentioned, you had a Sparky Plug, the race car driver, and, and a bunch of the other ones. And I remember, you know, they had T.L. Hopper, the plumber, <laughs> Uh, Duke to Dumpster Drozzy, Garbage Man, Repo Man, even an Alligator Hunter and Skinner, and as you said, all uh, so So, you know, just about half of their roster was just guys that had, you know, a job, a career gimmick, but to me, Yankum was the worst one. Like you said, he had to get up. He had them horrible-looking teeth uh, they, they fitted him with, and like you said, just the whole thing of – how he got brought in to help Lawler against Bret Hart uh, was just added to the whole uh, package deal there. And so, yeah, Yankum, uh, he, he about has to be on the list. <laughs> I wonder if a feller went back to when this feller was a wrestling and said, hey, Lance, in 30 years this guy's going to be mayor of Knoxville, Tennessee. What would you have told him? <laughs> <laughs> I would have probably said you're out of your mind, but uh, – uh, you know, like you kind of hinted at earlier, though, some of these, though, when you look back, it's amazing that they actually survived, and, and, and a few of these guys went on to have outstanding careers. Oh, yeah, I mean, Glenn Jake Kane is yeah, one of the probably best ever. five, so. six most important wrestlers of the Attitude Era. Uh, absolutely, yeah. And and we, you know, we, we talked in depth about him and Undertaker in our last episode on the feuds because it, it was one of the best feuds ever. Yeah, absolutely, and then you kind of hinted at Kevin Nash earlier, and uh, uh, you know Scott Hall's one that I don't know if he's on my list or not. I can't remember, but he had some very bad stuff, and 
you know, a few people was able to survive it. Some's not. He hung in there, but he got off. He, he dug himself a big hole with uh, Isaac Yankum. All right, buddy. What do you have for us at number seven, Lance? Well, in at number seven for me is another WCW one, and you kind of hinted at it uh, momentarily about the music. And in at number seven for me is the WCW boy band three count uh, <laughs> with uh, uh, Shane Helms, who later, I guess you could say, had a little bit of success as the Hurricane. And then some guy named Shannon Moore and Evan Courageous, and I'll be honest, I don't remember them, uh, their names. I just remember the group. They would record these stupid boy band videos. Uh, I believe Jimmy Hart actually wrote the music and uh, uh, did all that kind of stuff for them. So, uh, and then they would come out to the ring and dance, and uh, you know, just once again. Uh, WCW trying to take, I guess what I would say, maybe pop culture, popularity, uh, boy bands, you know, uh, uh, NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys, all that stuff was uh, probably getting a, a Uber over back then or whoever it was during that time. And they just decided, hey, we're going to put these three young kids together. We're going to call them three count. And, you know, they come out to the ring and dance. And like I said, they're little video music vignettes. It was just all, I, I don't know, for me, I just found it all horrible <laughs> and did not like it at all. And I knew these guys was going to be on my list. I just didn't know where, but they fall in at number seven. Yeah. Uh, there's really only been one uh, musician's gimmick in wrestling that's ever worked, in my opinion. That was the honky-tonk man. That was, uh, you know, a gimmick done right. Back in the 80s, I'm sure you remember him, but this was horrible. And I had forgot all about this until you just brought it up, Lance. So I, I guess I had purposely just, you know, tried to erase it from my memory. It was so yeah. bad. Absolutely. <laughs> and Jimmy Hart, God bless him, is one of the three or four probably best managers of all time. Yeah. And to be stuck with the like of this, man, towards, you know, the twilight of his career was 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 horrible and just the injustice to poor Jimmy, the mouth of the south. <laughs> But thankfully, this one was one like many of these we're talking about didn't last long. No. I, at, at least the powers that be that came up with these gimmicks for the most part had enough sense to realize that they wasn't going to work and this went in a different direction pretty quick, with a few exceptions that we may or may not talk <laughs> about. But yeah, that was pretty bad. I'm going to go ahead and uh, pick number six here, Lance, and then after we'll talk about that, and after that we'll take a quick break. Okay, buddy? Okay. I guess at number six, I'm going to have to go with uh, with staying on the music theme, the Kiss Demon, uh, which was I thought you was going to pick at number seven when you was talking about musicians. But they literally brung in a guy that was like a like a steroid, jacked up, bloated up Gene Simmons. <laughs> and they paid Kiss $500 to play one song, $500,000 to play one song on Monday Nitro. And they thought that this collaboration was going to be so big that the plan was about every two or three weeks to introduce a new kiss wrestler and have one of all the characters in kiss you know yeah. uh be a faction but uh, they, it was so bad that they pretty much done away with it just after the kiss demon and to make matters worse just like you know we was talking about old glacier this feller was not a very good wrestler <laughs> that they had portraying the demon and they tried to keep it working. They they even dropped the, the you know the word kiss from him and just started referring to him as a demon for a little while. And that didn't work either, man. You remember this dude? 
I, I do. Uh, he, he was uh, kind of packaged in with uh, uh, one on my list, the Yeti, that, that you had uh, uh, briefly mentioned before. But, yeah, I, I remember, and, and like you said, I the, the reason I remember him is for the reasons you were talking about was their long-term plan of introducing, you know, supposedly going to be a whole new wrestling faction based on the Kiss characters of the Demon, and I, I think one might be Star Child or something like that. But I'm not real familiar with their names in the makeup. But, uh, but I do know that was their long-term planning. But like you said uh, earlier, you know they seen that it wasn't working and it didn't last too long. And, and you mentioned the poor guy they had portraying this uh, was so green and really wasn't that established at all that. Even when they tried to break away from the kiss angle, uh, he still didn't work out. So that just tells you how doubly bad uh, the character was trying to get it over. So, uh, yeah, that, this guy belongs uh, on the list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we are through the top half of the list, or the bottom half, or wherever you want to say it. Normally we do a best of show, but on this one we're doing a worst of. <laughs> so we, we're counting down to the worst and uh, we'll take a quick break, and then we'll get into the top five. And unlike most episodes, and unlike the Macho Man, that this is not the cream of the crop; it's the worst. Right, Lance? Coming up. Absolutely. We'll take a quick break, and then we'll be back, and Lance will kick off the top five. Let me talk to you a minute about my good friend, John Thompson, specifically his law office located in Grayson, Kentucky. John has years of experience in all sorts of legal issues and matters, especially divorces, criminal defense, personal injury, and property situations. If you are a resident of Kentucky and you have a legal need in any of those or any other legal need for that matter, uh, trust me when I tell you, John will get the job done. Give him a call at area code 606-475-3174. And I will tell you this has been a paid advertisement, but I have been recommending John and his legal expertise to people for years. So it's about damn time I got paid for doing it. Once again, if you need help with any legal matter, call John Thompson at 606-475-3174. All right, Lance, what do you got at number five? Well, we kind of hinted at uh, this guy earlier in the show about having some bad gimmicks, and it was... Uh, Kevin Nash, but this one is Oz. And this was one that was kind of short lived, but it did go on for a few months. Uh, so anybody that was watching uh, uh, WCW back then, I think this was probably really early 90s. Uh, you know, he comes out with uh, the silver hair, like the Emerald Castle background. He's managed by a guy called the Grand Wizard. Uh, it, it's just horrible, and once again, uh, WCW grasping at stuff kind of uh, based on uh, uh, the, the old Wizard of Oz, uh, uh, you know, kind of that's kind of the basis for the character, but uh, it, it was just overall really horrible. You, you really should try to go back and watch this, and you'll be like, how did this guy hang on 
survived that one. And, and you know, he followed that up uh, kind of with DDP Diamond Dallas Page's Vinny Vegas. And that one was really no better, but I, I just thought Oz was the worst of the two. And before all that, he, he was just a guy in a tag team called the Masters Blasters. I think he was just called Steel or Blade. Uh, one of them was one, the other was the other. But uh, poor old guy, really, uh, uh, yeah, credit to him to stick with it and, and then finally find some momentum when he signed with WWF as it was back then and, and became Diesel. Uh, got his career off the ground, and then, of course, uh, he rejoined WCW years later in 96, I think, as just Kevin Nash, his name as part of the Outsiders NWO, and really had, uh, you know, ended up, in the later part of his career, ended up having, you know, a sensational career, but early on, this guy really struggled to, to, to get things going, and, and Oz had to make... Uh, my list because this is one of the earliest ones that I remember. Hey, I just remember him. I don't know if it was his debut or not, but what I remember is him appearing at a Clash of the Champions, and that's my first vivid memory of a, of a character where I thought this is absolutely the stupidest thing I've ever seen, even as a as a young kid, and and I knew that he was for sure going to be on my list somewhere. You remember, you mentioned his manager. Was it him or his manager that actually wore like a Halloween mask to make himself look like an old, uh, old wizard? I, I think his manager. Yeah, you can, you can pull pictures of that up online. He literally went to, went to Halloween Express or something and bought a mask for about 10 bucks to try to make that fella look old. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember him. He wore like a big green, I, I would call it kind of like a turban thing on his head. Yeah, and a big, one big old out. wizard hat. A big old wizard hat, the whole get it. Horrible. It was horrible. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned him as Diesel. He won the World Heavyweight title on a couple occasions as Diesel. Uh, started out as, I think, a bodyguard for Shawn Michaels. Uh, yeah, right? yeah. And then them two ended up, you know, feuding and having some classic matches. And then he went on to one of, if not one of the most important angles in the history of professional wrestling, which was the invasion of the Outsiders. He ended up being the NWO, him, yes. Scott Hall, and ultimately Hulk Hogan. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, like you said, credit to uh, Kevin Nash yes. for sticking with it and going through several horrible, horrible gimmicks until he finally found success and then ended up probably for about a 15-year run there was a top-tier performer yeah, uh, for WWF and WCW. Yeah. So I guess I got two picks left, and so at number four, I'm going to take the Yeti. You got him on your list at all? Yeah, he was number eight on my list. All right. So, yeah. This is one of those that you literally just saw probably one time. I think it was a Halloween Havoc, and Hawk Hogan was a wrestling at the time, the Giant, which is obviously ended up being the big show, yeah. Paul White. But supposedly he was Andre the Giant's son, which is a bad angle in and of itself, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> obviously he wouldn't. And I'll be damn, Lance, this was the same Halloween Havoc in which they threw him off the top of a skyscraper and supposedly he'd come back the, about an hour later and was all right from it. You remember that? Yeah, when the, they threw the giant off that top of that building and he dropped, you know, maybe 250 feet <laughs> and didn't even get a scratch on him, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> but that wasn't the stupidest thing they did that night. At the end of the show, here you had a, a an actual 
mummy. And by mummy, I mean literally think back to them old 1930s uh, wrapped, up. Uh, wrapped up, you know, horror <laughs> movies, Boris Karloff and all that. Staggering down the aisle, basically, with just some old gauzes and cloths wrapped him up from head to toe like he was going to find somebody. <laughs> and I, I remember watching this. I think it's 1995, maybe? Four? It was a Halloween yeah. Havoc. I was like, this is... What are they... <laughs> and it was literally supposed to be uh, an ancient mummy that had got resurrected and was coming to fight Hulk Hogan. <laughs> and luckily for all of us, that was the last we saw of the old Yeti. You you speak on the Yeti for a minute. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like, like I said, he had to make the list, and you nailed it perfectly. I mean, how? I mean, I don't know how much more out there you could have got as trying to, you know, have a guy portray an actual resurrected, uh, old school universal monster mummy. Like you said, he was just wrapped up very cheaply done. <laughs> It, it, I mean, you you really have to go back and look at some of these uh, to really get an idea of how we're trying to explain just how bad some of these are. I, I know we're uh, probably falling short in, in some instances, that's right. and, uh, but that's fine. Uh, but the Yeti is one of them that I hope you go back and, and look at because it's just uh, uh, just so stupid and and it doesn't look like they maybe spent five minutes trying to think of something that they could do. But like you said, fortunately, uh, this was one that didn't uh, hang on very long. And, and, and I kind of had him at number eight. And, and I kind of, in that same breath, was mentioning a guy you talked about, the Kiss Demon. And then they had another big old guy who used to go by Haystacks Calhoun. To come out as a big guy, Loch Ness, the Loch Ness monster, actually coming <laughs> out. You know, he he just I think like you said off the air. I believe that I believe that you're absolutely right. He just made the one appearance, and then you had uh, the the RoboCop thing with Sting. Just you know, it seemed like they were just wanting to incorporate too much pop culture, uh, you know, into the wrestling thing with with everything, and it just didn't work, and the Yeti's a prime example of that. Uh, he was part of a faction called the Dungeon of Doom. Kevin Sullivan controlled them, and there was some really other bad gimmicks in that, yes, but the Yeti yes. was by far the worst one. Now, here's the crazy thing. I don't even remember this fellow. I'm going to see if you do, but the guy that was the Yeti, I guess they had him under contract, and they didn't want to bring him back out as a mummy. So for the rest of his contract, he wrestled as a character called the Super Giant Ninja. And I don't remember that at all, but the pictures of him is so silly that I can't even describe it. It's almost like a like a store brand Power Ranger. <laughs> so, and like you said, Lance, no no matter how eloquent you and I are on describing how crazy and silly this stuff is, we can't do justice to the actual visuals of seeing this. Just look it up on YouTube or Peacock. Any of the characters we mentioned tonight, are, they've got various videos of them all on there that you can watch. And have a good laugh at. Yes, absolutely. So, buddy, what do you have for us at number three? Well, in at number three comes uh, uh, what, uh, for me personally, uh, this was just uh, one that I remember really well. And to me, it just, uh, for probably the, to me, this is the first time and probably since maybe the Gooker where I think that the WWF messed up or, I, it may have been WWE by then, I'm not for sure, but 
messed up really bad. But in at number three for me is the combination of when they brought in the fake razor and the fake diesel. <laughs> and, and the reason this is uh, on my list is, you know, it to me as a wrestling fan, you know, I don't ask for too much. I just love wrestling. I like to watch it. I watch any of it. I love it. It's fun. It's entertainment. It's a a form of an escape, and it's just great for to me personally. But this is one of the the maybe the only times where I really thought you know they're trying to you know this is a little bit insulting you know not just to me but to to a lot of wrestling fans thinking that hey. You know, uh, you can turn over on uh, TNT and see Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, and here's two guys that look nothing like them, and you're trying to tell me that this is Razor, Ramon, and Diesel. And uh, the poor guys, you know, give them credit. And, and the, th- the funny thing about it is, is Diesel, uh, the fake Diesel was played by Glenn Jacobs, you know, uh, who played Isaac Yankum, who went on to be uh, the legendary Kane. And then the other guy... Uh, his name was Rick Bogner, and I do not know if he did anything else or not. But, uh, you know, the story goes that uh, these characters uh, were two of the most popular ones, of course, and uh, they asked Jim Ross to do something. And as brilliant as J.R. is, this was the best he could come up with. And I just, I don't know, for me, it didn't work at all. I hated it when they were on TV. And to me today, it's still uh, probably one of the only things if I see on, I'll probably skip over it 99% of the time because I just think it's truly, truly ridiculous that, uh, you know, that they tried to pull this off. Yeah, and along that line, during the same time, they also had a fake Hulk Hogan. I think it what was it? It was like an old man barely able to walk with a walker and whatnot wearing a red and yellow. And had a feller called Gilberg, which was a scrawny Goldberg. Yeah. And even had a fake, uh, you know, Ted Turner called Billionaire Ted. Yeah. And none of that worked, in my opinion. It was just horrible. Horrible. Thankfully, thankfully, you know, with uh, right after this, the Attitude Era was born. And it pretty much done away with a lot, uh, a lot of these cities. Now, there was a lot of silliness during the Attitude Era, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't for you to try to take serious. Does that right. make sense? Absolutely. Uh, you know, we mentioned people, you know, back in the mid and early 90s that had day jobs. Well, I mean, the Attitude Era had a pimp and had a porn star. Yeah, the Godfather <laughs> Valvenus. Yeah, and you even had a, a, a had him try to chop, you know, Valvenus's manhood off one night there on Raw. You remember that? I do, yeah, the <laughs> kind tie. He uh, <laughs> evidently vowed had gotten friendly with one of their manager's wife, I believe was the yep, storyline. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they was gonna, they was gonna go ahead and castrate him, I guess, right. <laughs> for punishment. Yeah, absolutely. But like you, you said, you know, that was stuff that we knew was stupid. You know, and I remember also back then they had the little, uh, uh, I don't know, I think it was called maybe like GTV with like the hidden cameras. Yes. And, and they would catch, you know, uh, that was the one that caught Val uh, Venus with the with that with that the, guy's wife. Right, and, and you know they had all kind of little clips backstage goofiness that went on, and but you knew that that was what they were trying to do. But with with fake Razor and Diesel, you know they were actually trying to get these guys over it's as horrible. Razor and Diesel, and it didn't, and, work, and, and at it all. didn't work. Not at all. All right, 
So we each have one pick left. I'm going to go ahead and pick my final gimmick, and it'll be the number two pick. Me and you will talk about it, Lance, and then we'll take one last break before we get into the number one and some honorable mentions. I guess i got to go with the Shockmaster. You got him on your list? Yeah, absolutely. He's number four. Okay, yeah. This was, was all time, and you can watch this video. What Lance and I are going to describe to you, you'll very well laugh at what we're telling you, but it ain't nothing compared to the actual video. They was a hyping this fella up for a while yet, and when they brung him out, he come out from like a little hidden door that they blew up, and here comes, you know, with for lack of a better word, a guy that's pretty much overweight, and his wrestling garment was literally a uh, plastic stormtrooper helmet that they went and bought somewhere and spray-painted silver, glittery spray paint on, basically bedazzled it. Yeah. And uh, if that wasn't, the, you know... Bad enough, the poor old feller, God bless his heart, Lance, tripped and fell live on TV before he'd done his promo. He got up and still tried to deliver with a straight face his promo, looking looking like all sorts of silliness after he fell and busted his rear end on national TV. And off mic, you can hear, I think, Psycho Sid's cuss right big and say, damn it, I tried to tell you. And I guess backstage, he was telling them this wasn't going to work, and and it, it failed spectacularly. <laughs> Yeah, it did, and like you said, you nailed it perfect. They were on a, I, I believe back then, uh, Rick Flair done a little thing like they used to do, you know, and, and still do from time to time where wrestlers uh, will host a little segment of Flair for the Gold. And like you said, the guy, poor old, uh, and, and the guy, uh, some people will probably remember him a little bit. He played Tugboat in, in WWF and then later – Switched the typhoon to tag with the John Tenton of the earthquake, and they actually had a, uh, quite a bit, a little bit of success there in the nineties as the natural disasters. But uh, like you said, they just basically brought this guy out in jeans and a shirt <laughs> and a stormtrooper helmet, spray painted, and and, uh, and from what I read, the thing about it was was uh, one of the guys uh, running the promotion actually put a board in there. Uh, thinking that it would help the thing, and, and, and I guess they'd done a walkthrough earlier, and it wasn't there, and the, like you said, the poor old guy falls out. His helmet comes flying off so people <laughs> see his face. And, and, you know, and what makes it so bad is, like you said, this was a big hyped-up debut. He was going to team with uh, Sting, and I remember uh, Davy Boy Smith, yep. and I can't remember the other one, but they were uh, going to team up in a war games. I think it was match. Yep. And, you know, he was the big guy to, to come on, but everybody was laughing on air. And, uh, you know, I think Ole Anderson actually do, was doing his voice. And, you know, you could hear him kind of laughing, trying to talk. And uh, it, it was just, uh, uh, you know, one of the most infamous debuts of all time and, and for all the wrong reasons. But, uh, uh, yeah, that that's something else. I, I knew that was going to be on the list. I I just didn't know where. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's horrible <laughs> in every facet. And take five minutes as soon as this show's over just to type in on YouTube Shockmaster debut. I promise you, you'll get a kick out of it. It's uh, just unintentional comedy at its finest. So we'll take one last break, and then we'll come back, and Lance will deliver to us the worst wrestling gimmick of all time. All right, Lance, we're about to wrap up. Before you get into the number one, 
We're going to do just a couple honorable mentions each. I'll start out with a fella from, most of these have been from the 90s, but this one was from 2000. He's called the Boogeyman. And um, he was basically some kind of, I don't know, I, literally some kind of demon or something. And he was, uh, and the thing that put him over the top for me was, is they had a, a manager named Jillian at the time and that managed Justin Hawk Bradshaw. And she had a, a, a angle going on in which she had some kind of growth on her face, and every week it just got bigger and nastier looking. And it was obviously fake. And he come out one time and just started licking on it and then, then eat it right off of her face. Do you remember this? I do, I do. <laughs> Probably one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen in my life. And I and they was doing this thinking it was going to be a big deal in the crowd. You could just hear them groaning. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I would venture to say some of them probably was throwing up. It was a god-awful nasty. Yeah. But the old boogie, man. And then another one along the lines of nastiness was old Bastion Booger. You remember old Bastion? I do, yeah. He was a great big old fella, and supposedly his uh, his gimmick was that he never took no baths or wore deodorant or nothing. It was just probably the most foul-smelling fella at all time. And they had, if that wasn't bad enough, they literally had him just wrestling in duct tape, just barely covering his parts. It was everything he had hanging out pretty much, and... And I just was wondering how much this guy got paid to embarrass himself on national TV every week on USA Network, Lance. <laughs> Give me two real quick, buddy, and then we'll get uh, honorable mentions, and then we'll get into the number one. All right. Well, uh, first honorable mention for me would uh, be uh, 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 going back to a guy that uh, uh, really had a, 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 and I think he's still wrestling in AEW, but uh, a good career as a, a character that uh, – Dustin Rhodes portrayed, and it's called Selvin, and it goes back to the WCW days, and this is kind of an odd one. Uh, he just, uh, I think, went back to WCW after a, after a good, strong run as Goldust character in WWF, and he arrived there. He was painted in full white, you know, extremely pale with a big black overcoat and hat, and he had a lot of vignettes where he just really looked in the window on children. <laughs> and uh, apparently that got TNT in under a little bit of a hot water. Although there wasn't really anything done, it was just, I guess, the, the portrayal of the character. And, and why this one sticks out as being so bad is because even, I guess back then you didn't really know that maybe they were facing a little backlash from it. And after months of build-up, you know, it's time for him to debut. And what does he do? He comes out. He throws off the, the ring gear and starts making fun of the character. Kind of does a work promo, as they call it, where he denounces the Sylvan character and even, I think, mentions uh, uh, how bad the Goldust character was and that he was, and, and very oddly in a twist of fate, used the American Nightmare moniker that his younger brother Cody now has found an extreme amount of success with and, and became a heel as just the American Nightmare does. So he actually, in reality, didn't wrestle a single match as seven. But I just remember all those vignettes and thinking, you know, this might be a really good character. And then, boom, you, you get that laid on you. And then... uh uh, as a wait, just one yeah. second. I wanted to mention Goldust there. Yeah, he went back to WWE after this as Goldust. And do you remember when he supposedly got electrocuted and started stuttering real bad and couldn't cut a promo without yeah. stuttering? Look that one up too, y'all. <laughs> it's pretty funny. You can see Triple H and Ric Flair's in the ring with him for that promo, and they literally 
are doing everything they can to break character and start and, and, and laughing at him. Well, go go ahead with your other honorable mention real quick, Lance. Well, uh, my other one uh, was the guy that just got uh, – we pretty much talked about most of mine. But this guy, I guess if we had had a top 11, he would have came in at number 11. And uh, the guy comes in, for me, he went by the name of Beaver Cleavage <laughs> in WWF. And, of course, by that name, I'm sure you all know this was at the – at the, right during the uh, Attitude Era, right when it was running strong, uh, they repackaged one of the, uh, uh, they were uh, the Headbangers, I believe, the tag team, and they repackaged one of them, um, you know, kind of as a Leave It to Beaver guy uh, who had a, a mom that dressed extremely uh, skimpy and, and whatever and kind of led you to believe that they might be as sick as it was, something going on between them two. Oh, God. And, you know, they actually did a couple of matches, and then he got, uh, you know, and then he was, uh, and I guess they got in some hot water as well. I don't know. I didn't really look it up that much. But he's another one that kind of like the seven character uh, in a backstage interview, you know, said, you know, that ain't it. And I think he started going by the name Chaz and, I can't remember what her name ended up being after, after that, but they were kind of a, a pair for a little while and, and went off and, and done things. But it's just one of them obscure ones that I remember the vignettes, you know, it showed like the Cleaver house and him sitting at the table, uh, uh eating cereal and, and, you know, and, and everything like that. And, uh, uh, you know, there were just so many, uh, you know, uh, it, it was really hard, you know, there was him and there was one, uh, that's kind of lost. I thought, uh, you know, uh, Norman the Lunatic. Yes. There, there was one called Nails that I, I thought well, about. Well, it was Escape Convict, wasn't it? Escape Convict Nails. And, and, you know, they were a couple borderline ones I didn't know. But, you know, the, the Eugene character hasn't really aged that well. Let's be honest, it wasn't really that well when, it was, it, when they was having help. <laughs> right. <laughs> it, it wasn't politically correct or, or whatever you want to say at the time. So yeah. you can imagine how bad if you go back and look let, at let, that let, let me explain that one, and I'll try to be as delicate yeah. as I could be. Yeah. So if you've all watched the, uh, the movie Rain Man, Dustin Hoffman's character on there is what they call an idiot savant, which is someone who is special needs but can is really, really good at one particular thing. And Eugene supposedly was the same deal, but he when he'd get in the wrestling ring, you, could, you couldn't hardly out-wrestle him. <laughs> that was his gimmick. <laughs> and let me mention one more, Old Mantor, which was a fellow that literally was supposed to be half man and half buffalo or bison. And he would come out with this big old buffalo head on, but that he literally supposed to have like, I guess, have a daddy that was a bison. <laughs> and I don't know how they expected us to believe that. You just mentioned the incest angle. I guess that was a bestiality angle. <laughs> I guess it was. I, I mean, they they really stretched the the things. And and another one, real quickly, is Hornswoggle. Oh God! Almost made the list. You know, here you have a. A little person wrestling, and you know, he's an illegitimate child. He's this, he's a Vince that. McMahon. A Vince McMahon. And just, I, I mean, some of these characters really got way, way out there, and, and others were just, uh, you know, they were just pushing the boundaries and the envelopes as far as they could. And sometimes that worked, but other times you had something like Eugene or 
beaver cleavage come through the, the <laughs> gaps, and it did not work at all. All right, buddy. We've made them wait long enough. Let's talk about what we have determined to be the worst gimmick in wrestling history. Well, uh, like I, we were talking earlier, you know, you, you had Gooker as, as number 10 on your list. He was one on mine, but uh, I guess you could say 1B uh, would be uh, a character portrayed by a longtime wrestling veteran, Terry Taylor, and that was the Red Rooster. <laughs> who came in the late 80s to about 90, 91, I think, in WWF. And uh, what made this gimmick so bad is it sounds just like the name, the Red Rooster. Uh, Terry Taylor would wear red trunks, a red robe. He would spike up his hair and had it dyed red like a rooster's comb. And he would actually <laughs> strut around in the ring like a rooster. And we'll crow. and would crow and and wave his arms. It was just as stupid <laughs> as it sounds. And, and you know the sad thing about it is, is Terry Taylor's one of them guys that when you talk to pure wrestling fans, they'll know who he is. But he's kind of, I guess, gets lost in the shuffle because he came around during a time when there were so many really good technical wrestlers as well as. Uh, as those guys that, you know, just had the huge personalities like the, the Dusty Rhodes and that. And he was kind of a forgotten guy. But the fact of the matter is, is as far as in-ring stuff, he was really, really a good wrestler. But he he wasn't that strong on the mic. And uh, uh, still to this day in the interviews with him, he'll tell you that this was uh, the worst mistake he ever made as a professional wrestler. And, uh, you know, I know it couldn't have done anything for his career, and I don't know if Vince looked at him as one of those old NWA guys or what happened, but uh, but bless his heart, he tried to make it work, and I think, uh, you know, with kids and things, I think maybe he might have been a little bit popular with, with that age uh, demographic. But overall, to me, the character is just as awful as it sounds, a grown man clucking around like a rooster. <laughs> I think it's very poetic that we actually book in this episode with uh, two gimmicks of birds. We started off with a turkey, and we're going to close with a rooster. Yes. <laughs> so we've, we've pretty much covered it all, folks. We've had mummies. We've had roosters. We've had video game characters. We briefly mentioned RoboCop coming out that time. Uh, we've had, uh, you know, a wizard, a demon. <laughs> We've pretty much had it all tonight, Lance. Right. Absolutely. Lance, as always, brother, I appreciate you coming on. These is my favorite, some of my favorite very episodes to record. You and I talked off mic before we started rolling tape, uh, how we don't have a lot of people around here that watch wrestling anymore. You and I have went through the cycle of wrestling. When we was little, we was about the only ones around here to watch it. Then in the 90s, everybody watched it. Right. It's kind of come back around to where me and you was one of the last few that still watch it. <laughs> but that's all right. It is. But like you say, it, it, it does seem like it has came, as they say, full circle. Like you said, uh, I, back when I started watching it, I had one other friend that watched it. And that we were the only people I know on, on Turner's Creek where I grew up at that watched wrestling. And then, like you said, in the 90s, the Attitude Era, NWO, I think everybody I knew watched Oh, it. yeah. And then now, like you said, it's kind of back to where maybe they just, those few that really love wrestling for wrestling that has stuck around as long as they have. 
And, you know, a lot of we, what we talked about tonight is silly and goofy, but that is part of wrestling. Oh, yeah. You have to suspend disbelief when you watch it. You have to know what you're watching. And that's basically, you know, a soap opera for fellas that don't want to watch actual soap operas. <laughs> Absolutely. That's exactly how my uncle, years ago, he was one of the influences that got me to watch wrestling. And that saying has stuck with me my entire life. That's exactly what he told me. He said, Lance, pro wrestling is nothing but a soap opera for men. Yep. And uh, from that point on, that has stuck with me my whole life. And that's exactly what it is. It's just guys telling a story in the ring. And like you said, you've got to suspend a lot of belief. And, you know, just watch it for the pure entertainment value. And along the way, it's just like any other TV show or movie. They're going to have, you're going to have great movies. You're going to have those that suck. You're going to have great TV shows that even the best shows, they're going to have that one dud episode. And you're going to have that. What these characters well, and gimmicks exactly. come through. I mean, we started off the episode talking about how The Undertaker and The Gobbledygooker debuted within about uh, 20 minutes of each other in Survivor Series. Right. One of the worst and best of all time, but just <laughs> within minutes of each other there. So for every Gobbledygooker, you're going to have Undertaker. For every, you know, Red Rooster, you're going to ha- you're going to have a, a Shawn Michaels or a Ric Flair. Yeah, absolutely. you got to take the good with the bad. It can't be all, you know, 10 out of 10. Exactly. Uh, but you can look back at some of this stuff and still laugh to this day 30 years later. Anything you want to close with, Lance? If not, we'll sign off, my friend. I'd have to do it. I'll just say once again, I, I've had a great time talking wrestling and look forward to doing it again. Absolutely. We'll have you back on for sure.